Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. We're, we're going into October this year and uh, for the class of 99, uh, there, there was, there was a quite a bit of significant horror actually that year. I talked about a couple of horror films with a uh, fellow critic of mine earlier this year in the Rage Carry to an End of Days. Not necessarily the best of what horror had to offer, but we're going to get into, if not necessarily the best, at least some of the most polarizing. Um, and we're going to start out with a film that ended up being one of the highest grossing movies of the year, was one of the most acclaimed movies of the year, and was nominated for several Oscars. It's M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. Joining me is a filmmaker and uh, actress whose most recent short film, 98.6, is uh, making its way through a film festival. She's also done Out of My Mind, Random, and Ebola. Uh, I'm glad to have back on to the podcast uh, Cindy Maples, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. <clears throat> I I I don't remember if I saw The Sixth Sense on opening day. I know I saw it close to when it opened with my uh, grandfather in 1999. I was up in Ohio visiting, and uh, that's where I went to go see it for the first time. And I I know I had the big I had the big impact on the movie. I know it had the big impact on me in terms of storytelling and then, of course, the twist ending that everybody is pretty well familiar with at this point. Um, right. When I first saw it, and it's a movie that was significant as far as um, the end of the year. It's one of the movies that really defined the 1999 movie year for a lot of people. Uh, which, when you consider a lot of the movies that did come out this year, that's not no small feat. And it basically made the way for M. Night Shyamalan uh, to open the door for his career that we've seen over the past 20 years rise and fall and then start to come back up again with um, his recent movies like uh, The Visit and Split and Glass. Uh, what was your first experience with The Sixth Sense? Yeah, I remember quite clearly. I don't know if it was opening weekend, but I remember very clearly that it was the Varsity Theater in Carbondale, Illinois, uh, kind of the area that I grew up and where I was living at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember it had such a huge impact on me. That was the first time that I ever felt like I'd been duped. You know, I... <laughs> yeah. I, I I went through the entire movie thinking that it was this one thing. Mm -hmm. And then when it was over with, I was like, what, 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 <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like immediately. It, I, I, and I honestly think it was the next day that I went back and saw it again mm -hmm. because it changed everything. The ending changed yeah. everything. And I, I, I needed to revisit it because I'm like, how could I be so stupid? How could I have missed all of that? <laughs> I've never had that kind of experience in the cinema before, right. you know, and of course that's like the, 
the first and last time. I mean, it's happened since, but it, it for the first time, you know, it's it's just like after that, you're kind of looking for it. You're actually chasing it. You mm-hmm. want to feel that again. Yeah. And it wouldn't happen until years later uh, when the others came out with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the only other time I remember just feeling like, oh, oh my gosh, this is this is not what I thought it was supposed to be. Right. Know? Yeah, and I. I, I certainly, I know I went to go see it multiple times in theaters, too. It was one of my favorite movies from that year. And the Absolutely. thing that I, the thing that I love and the thing that when I revisit the movie, and this, revisiting it for the podcast was the first time in a few years I had seen it. The, the thing that I really love about this is that not only, not only going back and re-watching it to see the different clues and stuff like that throughout the movie to sort of pick up on, well, is this something, you know, how does he lay it out as the film's progressing that's coming to this ending where, you know, and spoiler alert, if you have not watched The Sixth Sense, um, where... Which, what's uh, wrong with you? If if you're listening to this and you haven't seen The Sixth Sense, I don't know why, um, but... You're coming to when you come to this realization that Dr. Malcolm Crow, the Bruce Willis character, is in fact a ghost. Um, and the thing that I love about this movie on rewatch, and the thing that I think is so meaningful about it, is that yes, every other, every subsequent time, you know where the story is going as far as the big twist with Crow's character. Right. But the film becomes a different... You start to see a more specific thematic uh, trend in the movie as far as what it's about. Once you get that first twist... Once you get that twist out of the way and know what that twist is, then you can really feel sort of what the movie becomes is actually about as opposed to, oh, it's just a ghost story where the main character happens to be a ghost. Right, right. And, you know, there are so many red herrings in this that mm-hmm. when you go back and rewatch it, then you start noticing all of those. Like when, uh, because I even remember thinking once it was over with, but I was like, wait, but he was sitting there in the living room with the mom. Yeah. They were having a conversation because your mind automatically makes you think that they're having a conversation mm-hmm. because of the way that scene was purposely set up and, and going to the restaurant to meet his wife, same thing, you know, it's set up to make you believe that, you know, she's ignoring him. Yeah. And, and when you go back and rewatch those scenes, it's so obvious at that mm-hmm. point, you know, after you know that those things weren't really happening. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. As far as the way, the way, uh, Shyamalan stages everything in this movie is very deliberately. And you see it in Glass, oh. too, uh, which yes. is the ending of his um, Unbreakable trilogy this year. And you see right. the way, and you see the way he builds to very specific things. Now, the the twist in Split, where it turns out, oh, th- this is this is part, this is a sequel to Unbreakable, you know, you just have right. that one scene. You wouldn't necessarily think about that as a sequel to Unbreakable until you see that scene with Bruce with David Dunn at the end of the movie. 
Exactly. But the way he the way he builds off of that, and when you go back to when you go back through Split afterwards, it's really you see how shrewd he is in terms of setting up the narrative that he's progressing towards toward with those yes. twists. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing that I I think the thing that's so wonderful about this film is that like like I was like I was saying as far as once you know the twist you can sort of see the thematic elements and the type of story that Shyamalan is really trying to tell here. And the thing that I love about right. this is that this is this is ultimately a this is a movie about accepting being able to move on from tragedy and moving on from traumatic experiences that we've had. Absolutely. And you see that you see that with Anna, the Olivia Williams character, you see that in Crow with you know, and that's the big big one. And then you also have the wonderful relationship. And with Cole, I mean the little boy. He, yeah. He's absolutely just on from trauma. Yeah, because at first, you know, he's for most of the movie, he's he and before this, he's treating these spirits, these ghosts that he's seeing as he as, as a threat. They're they're he he looks at him as a threat to him, and it's not until Crow comes along that he start and then Crow starts to piece it together because of he sees the connection between Cole and the character that Donnie Wahlberg plays at the beginning that there's something more to why Cole is seeing these these uh, seeing dead people. There's something that he's he hasn't put together yet, and the thing that I love about um, the this revelation it's basically it's not necessarily it's it's not that these ghosts are trying or dead people are these these ghosts are basically just trying to communicate with people on the other exactly. side people they've left behind. And that's the that's the right. thing that's so beautiful because, you know, the girl on, you know, the girl at the end. I mean, we're getting way ahead in the story, but again, if you haven't seen this, I don't know why you're really listening to this anyway. Um, <laughs> the girl at the end who was poisoned, uh, you you realize that like it's not for her. It's not that it's not she, she's not trying to communicate with Cole because she wants the truth. Part of it is, yes, she wants the truth to come out, but more importantly, she's trying to make sure her sister is okay. And that's the thing that's exactly. so beautiful, is the fact that it's like, this is basically about, about repairing, this is about repairing broken relationships. And you see... Yeah, absolutely. And, and with Doc and Dr. Malcolm obviously being the biggest one that's being tried to be repaired. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it, it serves a, so it serves a dual, dual purpose with him, where he's going to be able once he realizes his truth, he's going to be able to um, repair his 
sort of accept what's happened to him as well as be able to say what he wanted to say to Anna, his wife, but he also gets a second chance with Cole. And he because exactly. he, when when he died, he had this he he had this feeling, this sense of regret for what happened to Donnie Wahlberg. Right. That he, the, yeah, that he had let him down, exactly. Because that's his last thought before he dies, yeah. is that he let this poor poor boy down. And let's go back, let's talk about Donnie Wahlberg's performance. It's like what, three minutes mm-hmm. worth of film and yeah. it's phenomenal. It I the the guy lost like forty pounds yeah. to do that role, which is just amazing anyway. Mm-hmm. But I mean he just knocks that role out of the park. And the whole way that entire scene is shot yeah. is just amazing. Just the final and at the end after he shot uh, the doctor, you know, mm-hmm. and he's got the gun to his head and, and it just kind of pans away yeah. from him. It's just amazing. It's just, it's just a beautifully shot scene. Yeah. And the, the thing Sorry. about, yeah, that opening Dude, is so. Who wants to come on and find something like that? Yeah. The, the opening of that movie is just so, it, it's so wonderful because you have this first scene with, um, Colt with Crow and Malcolm and Anna and their chemistry is really lovely. And it's like you, 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 you know, it's like you, you get the impression that they're very much in love that, but also you get the impression that Anna, you know, she realizes that there's a sacrifice that goes with, you know, being able to share Malcolm with these kids who are in, in, who are having issues. And so what I love, one of the things I love the most about the opening scene that M night did was you see her down in that basement, getting the bottle of wine. And then she comes back upstairs. She's cold. And her very first line is it's getting cold. Yeah. Sets the pace. It's mm-hmm. that's coming. And it also allows them to introduce the sweatshirt yeah. Um, in the scene because she hands him a sweatshirt, which helps with wardrobe down there. I mean, it was brilliant. His snare. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, you get to, he, he has all this wardrobe there. That, and, and that's the other thing that it just amazed me that I never noticed that his wardrobe really never changed. Yeah. But it was brilliant <laughs> to be able to introduce that sweatshirt so that mm-hmm. he did have some options to go with. So, I mean, everything was so. And that opening sequence just set it all to the pace that you were going to continue through the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the lighting of when they get into the bath, the, the bedroom is just, it's perfect because of the fact that you really get the sense that not something is not right. Even before you see the glass in the broken window from the broken window, Donnie Wahlberg's character. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Donnie Wahlberg is phenomenal in three minutes of film, and it's it it's not just the yeah look. three it's, minutes. Of, yeah, <laughs> and it's not just the it, look. it was the performance. I mean, he he ate up the screen. It was just it's just an amazing performance. Yeah, one that I feel kind of gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's that's one of the that's. It's it's one of those fantastic things because of the fact that um, it it's that's the scene that sets everything in motion. 
Like you see him get it shot. Really, yeah. You you see Die Wahlberg, you know, he's he's gonna commit suicide and you see all of that. Then you cut to one year later. And the great thing was there's really there's very little blood in this movie. I don't know yeah. about you, but when I went to see this movie, I went to go see a horror movie <laughs> because you know the trailer kind of led us to believe this was going to be a horror movie right. and it starts out and you think it's going to be a horror movie you know, and you're not really sure where it's going to go but really you really don't see he i think he maybe has a little bit of blood on the front of his shirt yeah you but see, you never see don Wahlberg pull the trigger you hear right. it but you never see him actually blow his head off you know so there's very little blood and then after that scene it is literally halfway through the movie before we get to another good, scary scene, which is, to me, amazing for something that we thought was going to be a horror movie. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's and, and that's the thing. I, it, and that, that leads me to, to bring up the fact that it's like, I remember the trailers for this movie. And the thing that's so just, striking about the trailers for this movie is, Yes, you you have the, you know. Yes, you have Haley Joel Osment saying, "I see dead people," but I, you also people. that movie was sold, the the marketing of that movie sold it as kind of a conventional Bruce Willis thriller. You know, right. you're going to have right. supernatural elements of it because of I see dead people and all of that stuff, but you saw other things that made you think, "Oh, this is going to be a very." You know, this is gonna be another Bruce Willis movie where he runs and you know shoots shoots up stuff, and it's not right. That well, you know, it's funny all. though because I never really thought that. I I never really, I I kind of went into it as it's gonna be a horror movie. Yeah, I was kind of like I thought it was refreshing that it actually wasn't Bruce Willis with a gun on a you know high rise or whatever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and, and that's, that's a credit to Shyamalan and it's like, he, he's, and he, he does rightfully get some crap for some of the movies that he's made. But the fact of the matter is you have that run of Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, which I, I do go back and forth as to which one is better. I, it de depends on what day you catch me on as to whether which... <laughs> Which one I think is better? I I think overall, Unbreakable is probably a touch better, but I The Sixth Sense is a pretty great movie. And yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. But yeah. for me, I mean, just because The Sixth Sense had such a great impact on me and and my career. Yeah. But to me, I felt like M Night was constantly chasing the dragon yeah. because his very first film just kind of set what people wanted from him. And he set the bar mm -hmm. so high <laughs> that, you know, that everybody was like, you know, going to see the next movies thinking, Oh, where's the big twist? Where's yeah, the big exactly. twist? And, you know, the village, you know, it doesn't get enough credit. I actually, I actually enjoy the village and I like the end. I like the twist at the end. I thought it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was good. Uh, did I like it as much as the Sixth Sense? No. Yeah. But uh, and Unbreakable, I would say for me, I would say it's the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and then The Village, and then after that, I can't really find anything else that I <laughs> like by him. And I hate to be that way because I, I, I love the Sixth Sense so much that mm -hmm. you know I want him to succeed. I like The Devil. I, I actually did like that. Um, I, I, forgot I never about saw that. that one. 
I never I saw totally that recommend one. it. It's really oh. good. It's actually really good. Uh, it takes place all in an elevator, and that's yeah. it. But yeah. it's it's really it's it's pretty good. I I kind of recommend that one. It's good. So so let's let's go away from the film a little bit. So you what I you know as somebody who's watched your shorts, I I definitely see where the inspiration for from Six Sense comes from when it comes to your uh, your horror shorts. Um, so what, what exactly as, as you got into your filmmaking career, what was it about the sixth sense that really infused it? Well, like you said, if anybody has ever seen any of my horror shorts, they will know that there's a twist ending and mm -hmm. I haven't made one yet that does not have a twist ending. And for me, that's, <laughs> that's what I love. Mm -hmm. That it, it had the sixth sense had that much of an impact on me that everything that I do, I feel like I'm also like him. I'm like chasing that dragon. It's like, how can I fool people? Because to yeah. me, that's that's like the ultimate payoff as as a filmmaker that you've totally confused people, you know, that you've made them think one thing and then it ends completely different than what they thought. Right. I, I love that kind of manipulation. I love to be able to mess with people's heads like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, random, my first film is so much a tribute to the sixth sense. I yeah. mean, right down to the coloring mm -hmm. uh, and, and that they're dead at the end, you know, uh, and, and they've been shot. Uh, it, it, yeah. it was completely a homage to, to the sixth sense mm -hmm. because when it was time for me to make my first film, I felt that I needed to pay homage to the one thing that influenced me the most yeah. as a filmmaker. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I wouldn't necessarily, I, I see it now thinking back about random, but I, it's funny, like watching random for the first time, I, I never would have necessarily put together the the inspiration with the sixth sense but now that i think about it yeah your abs it's, it's, it's oh it's very all much there. over it yeah um, it's, it's all over it and yes. and it's 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 a credit to how well you succeed in random that i'm not just thinking oh hey this is basically the sixth sense because of the fact that it is it's a different story you're yes, just it is. borrowing you're just borrowing elements like the like the color scheme. Exactly. You know, the red on the you know in in random it's black and white, but in right. Sixth Sense it's definitely a more muted color with red being the predominant color throughout the film. I mean you have and whenever whenever red tends to show up in the sixth sense, it usually means something dead is coming. Or something right, that... but you know what? I just noticed it because I was, like I said, I was, I was rewatching this because I knew we were going to have this conversation. And I, every time I watch it, I notice something different. Uh, the, what I noticed this last time that I watched it was even Tony Collette's fingernails mm -hmm. are painted red until the scene in the car when she finally comes to grips with what's really going on. And then oh. they're a completely different color. I mean, he was, he was that specific with his placement of red. The, you know, the red doors to the church, the red mm -hmm. doorknob, the red fort yeah. that he made with the blanket. Yeah. Every time there was like danger, you know, it was mm -hmm. the red showed up, the red balloon, the red sweat. I mean, the red is everywhere yeah. in that movie. 
when you start looking for it, mm-hmm. it's, it's everywhere. But yeah, I had never noticed before that her fingernails were painted red up until the, the last scene. And then they're not red anymore, no. which I thought that was fascinating no. that he was that precise with things. Now, now I need to rewatch the movie just to see that because, yeah, I've never right? picked up on that. I mean, like like you said, most of the red in the film is very pronounced. It's very, it's very upfront. Right. But the fact that that is right. the case, it's like, okay, wow, yeah, now I need to really watch that. And we haven't brought up Tony Collette, by the way, who a lot. I feel like Which a lot. This, <laughs> I feel like a. I, I think it was the first time that I was like ever really introduced to her. I don't remember. Yeah. I know she probably. A lot before that, yeah. But I remember just falling in love with her. Mm-hmm. She was just so amazing. That scene, that final scene in the car yeah. with Cole, breaks my heart every time yeah. I watch it. She is phenomenal. That scene and the scene after they've had the, she confronts him about the pendant, and then. He comes into right her, the bubble, the bumblebee. Yeah, pen. and then right. he comes into her room, scared, and uh, she, she, she just starts crying, and she she embraces him, and right. she's like, "Why are you so cold?" And it's like, "What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong." And the thing that's so, and you know, I I feel like a lot of people kind of forgot last year when they were hoping and praying that she would get nominated for hereditary that they forgot that she actually did get oscar nominated for the sixth sense um right Right. so because she should i mean yeah she should have won if you asked (laughs) yeah and i'm i'm trying to i can't remember who won that year i don't know who won that year but yeah yeah i mean she was she was tremendous and she she's tremendous in the movie and you're right that scene at the end with um Cole in the car is it's it just breaks my heart every time. It's like the me too. They me too. they are so he casts this so because even I mean we talked about this earlier. You know you had mentioned how they uh, Cole's job was kind of mending things. You know for people and correcting wrongs and, yeah. and all of that because he does it for her too. Mm-hmm. You know because. Uh, Apparently, you know, she, I don't, I don't know if she, what kind of relationship exactly she had with her mother, yeah. but, you know, he tells her a story about, you know, that her mother was there and, and saw her dance and, mm-hmm. and that meant the world to her, you know, yeah. and, and, so, and he does it for her too. He fixes, he fixes her relationship mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And it's, and the thing is, it's like in part of, part of why he, part of why he does that in that moment is because she's just had to miss a performance of his right in the school play and she's she you know she's she's apologizing for it and that's when and that's part of what is puts it in his head like I'm ready to communicate with you now here's what's going right. on, been going on with me and Haley Joel Osment, and the way the way he casts these characters, the casting of those four characters is so important, including Cole and Anna as well. And I I always and Bruce Willis, I mean Bruce Willis arguably should have been nominated for this performance too. Um, he should have been Oscar nominated for this too. It's one of his best performances. 
Um, I agree. Did you know that he that he had to make that movie? <laughs> Have you heard that story about how he no, had I don't to make that, that movie? He had to. He um he had some sort of deal with I believe Disney at the time to make a movie, and it, things went really wrong on set, and he fired a bunch of people, and the movie lost. You know, he never got made, so there he was in the hole to them. Okay. So he had to sign a deal. He had to sign a deal where he had to do three films. And the sixth sense is one of those films. Mm-hmm. And it's I it's funny because it's like it's probably one of his most memorable roles yeah. outside of the Die Hard movies. You yeah. know, and, and I mean nobody can say I see dead people without immediately <laughs> thinking about Bruce Willis, you know, right. and I mean and that gets all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the and you know, you you have the you have the chemistry between him and Olivia Williams when they're together in a scene. And then you have the right. distance between them when they're together in a scene, but they're not supposed to be, there's a disconnect because of Bruce Will- the nature of Bruce Willis's character. And then you have right. the chemistry between him and Cole. And mm-hmm. Haley Joel Osment is just remarkable in this, this movie. Um, he, he's so good at, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, like, it's, it's an easy cliche to fall into the idea of the creepy kid in a horror movie. And I mean, it's certainly a long line of them over and over the years as far as horror. Uh, he, but the thing I like about this, the thing I like about the sixth sense is that it doesn't it it does that in a different way because it we really see more of the character as we see we see him as a character and we see him as a sympathetic character i mean he's he's very he's he's being he's having to react to what's going on as opposed to and you know if if you think about the ring a few years later you know, with mm-hmm. Naomi Watts and then her son, her son's sort of in the same vein of these creepy kid characters in horror, but at the same time, uh, he's he's sort of what we expect from that cliche, and Cole okay. is somebody that goes beyond that cliche because of the fact that um, just just how important he is to the entire movie and. Right. I think the audience automatically sympathizes with him. And, yeah. you know, we, I, I mean, and, and I don't know if other people feel this way, that some people may feel that they watch it through Bruce Willis characters, Malcolm's eyes. But for me, when I watch the movie, I'm, I'm Haley Joel, you know, yeah. I'm cold. That's, yeah. that's, that's whose eyes I'm seeing the film through, you know, and I, and I, and I think that's pretty intentional uh, because if you're going to scare your audience with the scenes that are scary, you have to make your audience feel like this poor, scared, vulnerable little boy. And that's, you know, that's, that's exactly who he was. He was perfectly cast. Yeah. And, and the thing that's, and it, you're, you're absolutely right in that. I mean, it's really a shared, it starts with that first scene of them in the church together when Uh Malcolm goes up to Cole and says, you know, this is who I am. And, you know, I've been following you around and stuff like that. 
And it's Cole is not quite sure how to feel about Malcolm. And I mean, to and it, but and we empathize with why because of the fact that there's this seeming stranger because we've never seen them interact. It's like you get the impression that Cole, right. that Crow's been watching him from a distance, and then you see you you see Cole let his guard down the more Malcolm talks and you start to see that, and he starts to see, okay, this is somebody I feel like I can trust. Okay. So this brings me up to the only problem I have with this movie. I ever for the life of me been able to decide if Cole knows immediately that he's a ghost or that maybe he never knows that he's a ghost. I that is the one question that I cannot answer for this movie because the what Cole says to him right before he leaves the church is, "I'm going to see you again, aren't I?" Yeah, and, and it was like, and it's like, okay, what? But then you know he, the whole I see dead people scene. Right. It's almost like he's trying to tell Malcolm, "Yeah, you're dead," and and then he's trying to. Well, he was helping Malcolm the entire time. So this is this is my con, you know, the, the one thing that I just have never been able to figure out with this movie that like drives me crazy. Does, doesn't matter how many times I watch yeah. it, I can't answer that question. I don't know if he knew or not. I have always I've always been of the opinion that he does know, and because of and I I think if you watching the scene in the church. You kind of, I, I feel like you kind of get that impression that he, he's not quite sure. First of all, you see him when you see him outside the church before he goes into the church. You see him looking. You see him looking around. You don't see him look directly at Malcolm. So maybe he doesn't necessarily right. recognize Malcolm at see Malcolm at the time, or maybe he doesn't. And it's just you know Malcolm happens to. That might be the first time, like, Malcolm has, I don't know. But, but why is he Why is he not scared of him like he is all the other ones? If all the other ghosts scare him. So why, I mean, he is scared of him at first, but not, like, petrified scared. Is it because they are in the church and he feels like he's safe with them because they're in the church? I mean, there's so many questions. Yeah. I, would, I and, would love to sit down and and asking these questions. That well, that's a valid that's a valid question because of the fact that, and one that I never I I always just assumed that yes he knew he was a ghost from minute one, but I I can completely understand why I can completely understand why it's also ambiguous because and right. I would say. I would say partially because of the fact that it's at church that might be, you know, that might be sanctuary. But also I wonder if part of it is the way Malcolm approaches Cole. He doesn't approach. Right, at the helping. He, yeah, because he's approaching him like he's going to help him. Yes, he, he's approaching him like a human being, like an actual human being. He's not approaching him like somebody who has been you know, who's been the victim of violence, which if you watch the other uh, ghosts that you see Cole interact with, I mean, they're very clearly, you know, they're very clearly uh, 
you know, violent, you know, met violent ends. So, and well, for the Malcolm, though, I mean, he was shot, so he he, he yeah. met a violent end too. So, it's but maybe, well, see, and here's the thing I was thinking because the blood only shows up on his back. That's, yeah. I mean, that, that, that which you never really see his back. Yeah. So, I'm thinking he just doesn't know that he's a ghost. But then, towards the end, when they say goodbye after the you know, the play and everything's kind of you know, taken care of, you feel like at the I think that Cole knew the whole time because of the speech that they have there because they're saying goodbye. It's like then it seems like he knows that he's a ghost. So maybe it's like a learning experience for him that he realizes, you know, kind of like when we do, he's kind of realizing, you know, that I I don't know. It's so confusing for me. That's (laughs) one thing I can't figure out. Yeah. And and (laughs) yeah, now, now I'm questioning how I, you know, now I'm questioning how I think about it. But ultimately, I mean, I ultimately the film works because of the dynamic between Malcolm and Cole. And it's like it's right. because of the fact that it's it's a story that's happening to both of these characters. You feel like you're going on a journey with both of these characters. And there's an emotional right, exactly. journey, there's a spiritual journey with both of these characters you're going on and you know, you're, you have Cole who to a certain extent, I do think has, I mean, he, he obviously, I do think he obviously knows before we come to the moment that, you know, I see dead people. Obviously he knows that he's been seeing these things for a while, but being, I feel like with, the the great thing about crow is that crow's basically basically crow crow has to earn his trust the way a therapist basically has to earn the trust of their client and that's kind right, of right and right in there that that might be the answer to my question right there because yeah. When they first meet, I mean, first, obviously, they meet in the church, and he's very, Cole's very standoffish from Dr. Crow, and then the next time we see them is in the apartment, and he's left him, and he's very, very leery of Mm. him at that time. So maybe that, that is the answer to my question, is that, you know, he's slowly getting over the fact and and so that that would make him a ghost the entire time. Yeah. So maybe that's why he's not scared of him towards the end is because they're building this relationship at the same time. Yeah. So and and also because of the fact that we we get the impression based on the other times that Cole deals with ghosts in the film that Malcolm is not behaving like the the other ghosts that he's a, he's he's used to. Uh, interacting with, you know, right? The other- well, and here's here's the thing, um, which could maybe solve that whole thing is that the other ghosts. Every time the other ghosts showed up, they were mad, they yeah. were angry, uh, which is the you know the cold and everything because that is kind of explained that you know that it's always cold when they're around, right? Uh, and you never see that when he's mm-hmm. with Doctor Crow. You never yeah. see him. Uh, that it's cold or you see his breath or anything because Dr. Dr. Crow's not being mean towards him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and also there's the important second part of the, I see dead people, 
which is I they don't know they're dead. Right. That's, right. that's the other important thing. To too. me, that's kind of like their their crescendo of their relationship yeah. where everything kind of changes after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like until that point that there's you know, Cole's still not a hundred percent sure of Malcolm. Right. And it's kind of like at that point where everything shifts and they become more of like a team and working together. Mm-hmm. Well, and by that point, he's really started to, he's really earned Cole's trust. And right. he's, it's, it's gotten to that point where, and where um, Cole can feel comfortable to admit, you know, because of the fact that, Crow is the the way Crow interacts. He he doesn't he it's the performance by Willis is really interesting because of the fact that he he doesn't really he, he's he's treating how best to explain this um be, it helps it's important that Crow's a child's psychologist. Because right. it's show, and we see that he's gotten the award from the city at the beginning, and so right. we no, know that he's children. good with his job. Right, and, and the children are very important. And also, he knows how to connect with children. So right. that's the import, That's an important part of the equation, too. So it's like, he knows how, and Crow's laid all of this out to Cole in the church. Like, hey, I got an award at one point. It's like, you know, I'm supposed to be pretty good at my job and right. all that. Um, I I love that this, we we haven't talked about it. The, the, you know, and you mentioned the cinematography. Cinematography in those movies is fantastic. The, yes. the score is always been one of my favorites by James Newton Howard. Yes. Uh, such a beautiful piece piece of uh scoring on his part although you know he almost gave away the ending when the soundtrack was released right because the final song is called malcolm is dead oh wow i forgot about that yeah (laughs) almost gave away the twist ending uh with the soundtrack release so yeah that's which if anybody was paying attention they might have noticed that yeah well, and that's that's the thing is, it's like I and the funny thing is, it's like earlier in the summer, uh, you know, that actually that happened with the fan menace as well. There's a cue on there called Qui Gon's dead, and it's like or right. Qui Gon's funeral. It's like, oh hey, I guess he's dead then. I guess um, he's dead. <laughs> but I mean, I I think so. I think the thing with that one is, like. You know, Star Wars is obviously Star Wars. It is what it is, and it's like right. that one's going to be a bigger seller. It's like soundtrack fans. Soundtrack fans are more the the thing for like a soundtrack for the Sixth Sense, even though it's phenomenal music. So it's not going to be as well noticed. So it's like, right? If, but yeah, if you, I didn't even think about the fact. I now I need to look up that soundtrack and yeah. see that it says Malcolm is dead. It's and like, it could been changed um i i I remember reading that years and years ago that that supposedly he almost did that almost i don't don't know if i don't know if they changed it or not but originally that's what it was called so yeah (laughs) um yeah it's 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 one of those things this this is 
there's a lot to unpack about this movie, and I, I, I love the 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 discussion here because of the fact that it's like now I see the thing is it's like now I'm thinking it's like how when at what point did Cole know that Crow is dead? And because yeah, yeah I do by do think it, even Cole actually winds up. You know, we keep talking about how it's it's all about healing and all of that. And I mean, Cole even because Cole's the one that tells Doctor Crow how to talk to his wife. Yeah. you know, he talk, tells him to talk to her while she's asleep. You know, yeah. uh, and, and so he's he's kind of the one who who solves his problem too. You know, mm-hmm. so that so that you know. Bruce Willis's character can can move on to where he needs to go. Well, and it's funny because of the fact that Cole essentially becomes a uh, sort of therapist for the undead. Right, the same exactly. way that Crow is the way the that Crow ther- is therapist. For the kids. So, I mean, he he's basically now that once he you know they had that interaction with the he had that interaction with the girl, and um, so now you have that that uh that dynamic and let's let's talk about that scene because really that is like one of my favorite scenes is when cole and and malcolm go to the funeral yeah uh, and and he confronts the dad and gives her the videotape Mm -hmm. and and the way that whole story is told oh and by the way the the stepmom who's who's the killer uh she's in red yeah (laughs) Yeah, so that one course, I did notice. Of course, she's in red. <laughs> yeah, but the way that whole story is is told, mm-hmm. you know, where we see they put the videotape in, and we see it all through this little girl's eyes of of how this happened, you know, to her, and it's so it's so sickening, but at yeah. the same time, it's so beautifully told that whole little story within this this bigger story. Mm-hmm. It's just it, I, to me, I love that scene. I think it's just so well done. Yeah, I mean that right in it that right in itself could be a short film, like oh, that absolutely. whole sequence, like them going to the funeral, and the the thing about that funeral is to to add to the storytelling is is that you hear snippets of of dialogue between people attending the wake and right you know, exactly so get, her whole her whole story is told yeah with the funeral scene by also, just them walking through and you also hear the fact that now the other one is sick too and it's like right, that's exactly. an important thing and so it's exactly. like oh yeah. man how are they going to do that and it's like well you know then she he goes up to her room and you know, she gives him the videotape and it's, you're right. That is just such a great piece of storytelling. It really is a short film in and of itself. It really is. (laughs) It's just perfectly done. Yeah. And it's one of the, and just the way, the way that unfolds, the way you see, and, and there's, there's such warmth in the, the show that like the, the the sisters put on for the videotape and Uh is such a such a warm little moment and stuff like that and then you see her go into and you you see oh she's feeling well there and then of course when when the stepmother comes in it's like you see you you know you see the truth and that the truth is the stepmother's been poisoning her been killing her the whole time 
And so you then you take that with the dialogue you've heard about the sister and you put two and two together. It's like, oh, she's doing it for to both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when you it's such it's such a there's such and a I, strong well, sense I said of storytelling. Stepmother, and I don't know, is she, was she a stepmother? Now I'm trying to remember. She might have just been their mother, which makes it even worse. Yeah, you know? yeah, it really does. I can't remember. Yeah, she might have been their mother. Either way, it's it's yeah. the scary. It's probably the scariest story that's told within that entire movie. It really know? is. No, I know. <laughs> But as 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 it always goes, humans are the biggest monsters there are. Yeah. You know, they are way more to fear than mm-hmm. anything else. So yeah, and then you have the you know, and the thing is, it's like you have this scene in the uh, at the party where you know Cole gets trapped in the you know in the in closet the l- or the room or closet, whatever it is. I don't know. But yeah, that is like know, the weirdest house. It really is. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's like you have you have that where it's it's basically it's it's a scene of bullying. Like the kids are bullying him, and uh, and so you have another example of you know how humanity is. You know, humans are more dangerous to you know to children than you know, these, these ghosts are. So it's another, it's another thing for, but at the same time, you see what Cole looks like after the, after he's released from that room. And then that's right. where like they, the hospital, because yeah. that, that the whole hospital thing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and our wonderful, wonderful performance <laughs> by the director himself. Yes. Who, who not not so wonderful he yeah he should not cast himself <laughs> he, well in the part of the problem is he kept giving himself bigger and bigger roles to where he basically has supporting role in signs right um, <laughs> that was almost as big in the movie as like Joaquin Phoenix's role and uh <clears throat> yeah he's not yeah. that not happen. No. I mean, at least with the sixth sense, it's just that one. You seriously, scene. what's up with directors casting themselves? Well, and I think I think with so with with Shyam, Shyamalan, I I think that's sort of the Hitchcock inspiration of like you right. know director making a cameo in his films. The difference right. is Hitchcock never spoke. He just you know quick one off. Just there. You know exactly. Bam in the scene in the frame out of the frame <laughs> he's done. So yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As a director who cast herself a lot, I can say it's not a smart move. <laughs> but but see, you're you're also a working actress, so right. That's, that's a different situation. You're, it is a different situation. <laughs> it, it is. It's a completely yeah. Because that's where I started. So yeah. you know, I have that always to fall back on. So. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So. A, a little bit of that, because I can't remember if I asked you this when we did an interview a few years back. As as how how is it as what's what's the biggest challenge as far as di- acting in a movie that you're directing or directing uh, a movie that you're also acting in? It slows everything down. Uh, that's the only problem with it for me because I have to go back and I have to go see, you know, I go and I check and see how the scene looked, you know, yeah. because 
you have to because you're in it. You can't really see that well. Or you, you know, you have a cinematographer that you trust so much that you don't have to do that, which I do. I've worked with cinematographers that I do trust that much. But then I'm like, well, I just want to make sure, you know, I just want to make sure, (laughs) you know. So it takes longer because you are always going back and checking to make sure that you got what you needed in the scene, which is really difficult with like random because in most of random, I'm laying flat on my stomach uh, with blood all over my back and can't move. So yeah. they physically, they physically would have to stop and bring the monitor to me right. so that I watch it. Uh, so it, because I couldn't move and every time I did move, I would get more blood someplace that wasn't supposed to be, uh, and that would ruin the shot. So, um, so yeah, it's difficult. I, I don't recommend it. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't stupid like I am. <laughs> but yeah. So the different, so obviously, I mean, you know, the, obviously we talked about the difference between you being an actor in your movies versus Shyamalan being an actor in his movies. Right. He's coming out from a director making himself a cameo in the movie. You're, you're, you're somebody who came from acting who is also directing. So uh, there is definitely a big change in there. And, uh, you know, yeah. And I don't have much money or studios staring at me when I'm doing This is true. <laughs> um, so I, I can pretty much do whatever I want. Yeah. Uh, it's, let's see, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Anything else I really wanted to bring up? Is there anything you wanted to bring else you wanted to bring yeah, up? Yeah, I was just trying to think if there was something that we haven't hit on in this movie because there's so much. Yeah. There's so much to talk about with this movie. Uh, I can't think of anything. No. Yeah. I, 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 and the thing is, I do think it holds up. It's, it's one of those things where, especially if you have a movie with a twist ending, the big challenge is does it hold up on repeat viewing? Right. And I think, and yes, there are some that can kind of fall apart once you know the twist. The thing, you know, and you you pointed to it, you know, when you were talking about your first experience watching the film, is that you, when you go back and revisit it, it's like you're you're partially you're watching to see where, how the movie did what it did and what how it set up what it did. But one of the other things that's so fantastic about this is that I do think that this movie basically the thematic elements really do come through, and that's right. what makes this movie rewatchable. I think right. it's not. I just... mean, the first time the first time I went back to rewatch it was because that I wanted to I wanted to to catch all the things that I didn't catch the first time. Yeah, because. I, because I, like I said, I felt like I'd been duped. I felt like, you know, somebody pulled the rug out from under. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I, I think it was like the last showing of the night, or I probably would have turned around and just gone right back into the theater and watched it again. It was that jarring yeah. for me. Um, so yeah, it's it's just one of those things. And now, I mean, you know, years and years later, as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I watch it to see how he did it. Yeah. You know, okay, what what little things was was he doing that, you know, the, like looking at the scene uh, between Tony Collette and Bruce Willis in the mm. living room, you know, and how did he pull that off? How did he make me think that they had some sort of conversation before the little boy came in there? You yeah. know, and, and because they didn't, they, they mm-hmm. obviously didn't, you know, um, 
and, and you know the dinner with his wife you know you just assume yeah. that you know they that that and that's a brilliant if you want to study how to like you know ignore your scene partner uh that is a great <laughs> that is a great little scene to watch because that it's really hard mm-hmm. to you know play a scene with somebody and try to make people believe that these two people are in that scene and at the same time act like that person is not in the scene that right. is, I mean, that's a conundrum. I can't even, I can't even fathom how they got through that scene. It, mm-hmm. it would be almost impossible for me. Yeah. And, and that's one of the, that's, that's, that's something that's so impressive. And another scene that's sort of, sort of like what you were talking about with the, the dinner scene. And then the scene with Tony Collette and Bruce Willis, it's like that's that's where that's where the way Shyamalan edits the movie and the way he mm-hmm. stages the movie. Another one is when um, Olivia Williams is uh, talking to the the guy that she's kind of the the helper at her. The store. young man, yeah. And like you have, I don't know what happens to the window. Whether Bruce Willis. Like yeah, I just always kind of like that. He threw a rock or something. Yeah, and yeah. then the next thing you see, you see him walking away. But yeah, I mean, I you know, and it that that is one of the great things about film is that the the way the way people bring the film to life visually and from from a visual standpoint to make us think one thing, even when what they're really doing is something else. Something completely different, yeah. exactly. And right, uh, it goes back to what I said earlier, and the reason why I like making the kind of films that I that I make with the twist ending is because I do like manipulating people. I mm-hmm. love the power that you kind of get from that feeling of you know basically manipulating an audience for however long they're sitting there watching your film. So yeah. it's it's it, it is a great sense of power to be able to do that to somebody. Mm-hmm. Well. Cindy, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm glad we were able to uh, talk about The Sixth Sense. It's definitely, I, it's it's one of the movies that stands out in that year. It still stands out as one of the great movies from that year. And uh, it's it's something that, you know, the, the career, it, you know, the career Shyamalan had afterwards, it has some bumps in the road, but, you know, overall, you, you sort of see the, you, you do see, you know, see him starting to get some of that, uh, some of that ability to a surprise us that was so prevalent in this movie coming back. Yeah, I agree. And, and thank you for doing this. I mean, you know what? 1999 was a really good year. <laughs> yeah, it was. Especially for the movies. I it would, when you asked me about this, I guess maybe late last year, yeah. and you asked me what movie I'd be interested in doing, and, I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there were so many good <laughs> movies that year. How am I supposed to? And then, of course, Sixth Sense came to mind, and I was yeah. like, oh, well, obviously, that's got to be the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I appreciate you asking me to do this. It's been fun. Yeah. I'd like to thank Cindy Maples for joining me on the Sixth Sense. Um, it's it's really good to be able to get to that. And it is a movie that I think holds up extremely well on repeat viewings. Uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, I would definitely recommend doing so because it is a movie that... Um, it. It's a movie that holds up from that year, and I think has a lot more to say than maybe people were led on after uh, being surprised by the ending. So 
Uh, that's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. We come to a couple of the other big horror movies from 1999 in the coming months as well. And November and December is going to be wild. I've got a lot of movies left to cover, left to um, record, and I hope to get to as many of those as possible. I hope to get to everything. We'll see. Uh, but for now, this is uh, Brian Scuttle. Hit me up on Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash Check me out at the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel and subscribe there. And uh, always check out my print reviews and blogs at www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.